Texas talking oh. What was that that you said Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys are Texas guys Hello, I'm Clara Jeffrey, Editor-in-Chief of Mother Jones. I'm a huge fan of the Texas Tribune, and I'm not just saying that because Evan Smith once hooked me up with some Franklin's Barbecue. I hope you enjoy this week's Tribcast, and now here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the first week of December. I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. Yeah, what? <laughs> Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Well, I'm, I'm back. I feel like I've been paid. <laughs> you are back. I'm back. My chair's been taken. You may I'm regret back. it within two seconds. I feel I like I'm being picked on before this thing has even started. Well, what else would be new? Right. And reporter, um, I was I'm trying to rubbers bureau chief. <laughs> That's pretty good. Exactly. Wow. Patrick Svitek. It's an honor. Did you bring any of those yeah. Ted Cruz condoms back with you from Iowa? Right. What's your beat? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since we're just on the subject. Come on. Come I, on. Want, I wanted a long disquisition on contraception from Patrick. So how did the Ted Cruz conversation this week even turn to contraception? Are you the reporter who asked him about rubbers? Yeah, how I did was this not. even come um, up? It was actually a very crowded event. There were more than 300 people there. It was a town hall Monday night in Bettendorf, Iowa, which is in the Quad Cities. and um, it, The condom capital of Iowa. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of curiosity in that region. Um, uh, but he, he was asked by, Nice. He was, Ross just did a Danny Thomas spit take. Go ahead. Keep going, Patrick. Sorry. He, he was asked by someone, and I'm paraphrasing here, about um, as president what he would do about the availability of contraception to women who want it. And in his response, like he has done before, he kind of railed against the idea of a war on women. He said it was concocted by Democrats during the 2012 election cycle specifically. And um the, you know, he went on for about five minutes and eventually, you know, he got very animated and uh, just kind of in what seemed to be a fit of genuine <laughs> frustration, um, you know, said, you know, I've never met a conservative who wants to ban condoms or whatever. And then he said, you know, uh, last time I checked, uh, you know, uh, we don't have a rubber. Shortage. <laughs> we don't have a rubber shortage in this country. And then don't he, worry if you're too nice to say it. She's I was not. actually trying to remember it verbatim. More than <laughs> I've heard this so it. much recently. I can't <laughs> believe I forgot it. Um, but then he pivoted to, I guess, some reference to his college years where he yeah, said in the, was in the bathroom in college. 50 cents at Princeton. Yeah. 50 cents in uh, I think the exact quote Princeton. is, you put 50 cents in the machine and voila! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is something they only say at and, Princeton. I mean, the room was just uh, filled with just kind of awkward, nervous laughter throughout this whole uh, this whole thing. Um, it was it was quite an experience. I mean, it was an otherwise pretty boring town hall. He didn't get any, any new questions uh, or say anything. That sounds pretty new. lively to <laughs> yeah. me. So, so sub- substantively, is he right? that there are not Republican candidates for president that, that cycle or this cycle who want to ban contraception? Well, I mean, Democrats obviously say that, you know, people like Ted Cruz and other Republican members of Congress and candidates, you know, across the country have supported policies that would lead to that or that, you know, Who was the candidate who was accused? It was Santorum who was accused in the last cycle. And it was his uh, financial backer, Foster Fries, who mm-hmm. said something to the effect of putting a bare aspirin between your knees? Yeah, or it wasn't yeah. Some... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's been the whole, you know, fight over uh, Hobby Lobby and whether companies have to provide contraception, you know, coverage of contraception. I mean, this left the whole sort of birth control pill argument out of it with this idea that rubbers are the, um, you know, condoms are the easiest solution here. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, this was just one of sort of a string of 
fascinating. You really were with Ted Cruz at a time when he made lots of interesting statements. He's kind of live streaming his own self. Who knew that the transgendered leftist yeah. Planned Parenthood shooter would not be the most interesting thing? He exactly. Said. I thought I thought it was over. Once I know. We had seriously, that remark. and it just got better. So what was that? What was that all about? And it, it seems sure. like it's honestly been taken a little bit out of of context. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I'll be giving him the benefit of the doubt in this discussion, but I think what he he meant to say in that exchange was that we, you know, he was making a point that we don't know everything about this. So some reporter said to him, well, there's one report that, um, you know, the, the the suspect said something about baby parts while he was being arrested. And Cruz kind of retorted, well, there there's another report that he's a, a transgender leftist activist. And I guess Cruz, again, was, uh, you know, referring to this voter registration form that has since been uh, disproven or whatever that inadvertently listed the suspect as, as his gender as female. The context sounded like Cruz saying, you know, there's a lot of crazy reports right now, but we don't know. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. And that was, that was the point he was trying to make. And I, I think it, you know. And the line became used as <laughs> Ted Cruz calls, you know, Planned Parenthood it was, shooter, it was, yeah. transgender it was, leftist. It was certainly a, a flippant comment, and he did not repeat it again in the following uh, few press con- or gaggles. So, so what, re- he knew what that report he kind of, was he referring to? Because he made it sound as if. Yeah. You know, the New York Times had written it, and he was just referring to journalism. But it was, in fact, a, it was a website that had reported. Yeah, this. I mean, Is again, right? the basis for this this suggestion that he had appeared to just be this voter registration form that listed the the suspect as his gender being female. I know, like some conservative blogs picked it up, but if, yeah, there was no. I think mainstream media outlet that was running with this idea that that liberal mainstream and, and that part, leftist part of, transgender mainstream yeah, media exactly. absolutely uh, and, but part of this issue Patrick was that there had been a rush to uh, to say that the motives of this shooter were in line with the pro-life mm-hmm. movement that the yeah. and, and specifically with the Center for Medical Progress videos about Planned Parenthood and body parts and all that that had come into the news several months ago, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and he was rebutting the the, the, the yeah, rush he was pushing to, back to, on that. He was pushing back on that. Yeah, and it is ironic, too, because he got what I would call, you know, some positive attention the day before, because when he was first asked about it in a gaggle with reporters, he struck a very kind of somber tone and, you know, in just a few, you know, over well, a few sentences. And at that point, was the only, about the only Republican exactly. of any prominence yeah, at all yeah, who he, said a word. Exactly. It was like Ted Cruz, of all people, who, you know, was bandied about it's this you know fierce Planned Parenthood opponent right. um, which he is um, <laughs> it's you know and then he got he got I think some positive attention on Saturday for being the first Republican candidate to come out and not only directly address it but condemn it, condemn it and right. he also urged caution about the motives and everything and um, <laughs> then the next day obviously I think perceptions of how he was handling it or reacting to it completely shifted because he, he injected that transgender he used that element terminology into culture right. war thing is uh, on both sides is way ahead of the facts on this one and, and that's sort of the pattern now it's like something happens and everybody plugs it into their political argument and you know the facts come out three or four days later and you have to readjust it's well yeah yes period new now new paragraph this colorado shooting thing was awful and indefensible no matter how anybody feels about the issue going into it right and you know where patrick i think is exactly right is i mean it's not a case of well i think this and you think that and then let's all you know march down the path i think what Cruz said the first day before we got into this whole transgender leftist thing was actually a quite uh, depoliticized Absolutely. position. You know, it's it's murder, it's awful, it's and he didn't actually say, well, but they're killing babies, and so this is basically right. one for them, one for us. Mm-hmm. He really made, I thought, a for Cruz especially, Absolutely. a pretty sort of straight-laced 
this yeah, is murder. This is awful. This but, is murder. But, but to Ross's point, he was at that point Alone. the only one who did it. Right. Well, and everybody else. I'm not just and talking even, about the candidates. And even since, I'm frankly, about... a lot of the statements that have been made have not been as straightforward as Cruz's was. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not talking necessarily just about the candidates or, or primarily about the candidates. I mean, the conversation very quickly went to culture wars mm-hmm. and— you know, you filled the space between. Well, we don't know what else happened here. What do you What do you think's going on? And then you're having a culture war conversation. It was yeah. a really weird weekend to watch the news. It was a weird weekend, but you know, outside of these sort of this sort of really strange rhetoric, what did we see of him? You know, of substance while he was out there this weekend, Patrick. I mean, he's you know he mm-hmm. he got his Iowa snow boots, so he sounds like he's sticking. <laughs> Glad you read the story. <laughs> I did. Maybe we should have called him. Actually, oh, you had to are, edit that. Yeah. Those are his oh, real. Was, I didn't edit it. I just I just God read the things that show up on our website. Uh, maybe he, he got she, his. She's in a rare category <laughs> among the editors in that respect. <laughs> he got his Iowa rubbers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've been saving that one? No, actually, just came up with it while you guys were telling jokes about whether we read the website. It occurred to me. Anyway, what of substance happened? I mean, how was he received? You know, there yeah. was a lot of talk about uh, about Rubio while he was out there. Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of substance, there there wasn't a lot new that he said or did. I mean, he went around with the same stump speech. Oh, uh, wasn't Louis Gohmert with him, speaking of, of substance? Same, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hmm, how can I seem more centrist? Uh-huh. Let me see. Who can I bring with me to Iowa? Yeah. <laughs> I need a wingman. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, there, there, was, there wasn't much new in, in what he was he was saying. It was much more about what he was doing. I mean, this as you noted in the story, you know, he's been going to Iowa for a while now, six trips in seven consecutive weeks. This one definitely seemed, whether it was intentional or not, designed to show that he has the, the work ethic and the ability to, like, go to places in the state that other candidates haven't touched and, and to do all that while living up to the hype that is beginning to build behind him. Right. He's second now in the polls in Iowa by most reliable measures to the degree that any exists. This is this is how right. he beat Dewhurst. Remember, he went to every single Rotary well, Club, every Lions Club, every and, small town in Texas. And Manny, Fernandez, Manny Fernandez had a very good piece right. in the New York Times yesterday that said basically Cruz 2016 is Cruz 2012, right. that he's running the presidential campaign as an extension of his Senate campaign, which I guess is a point I had heard before, sure. yeah. but I thought it was extremely well said in Manny's piece. Credit to him for that. Cruz is doing, Cruz got a cruise, right? He's doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. ab- ab- absolutely. Um, I want to ask, can I ask a question to Patrick about this relationship? That Rubio's- no, absolutely not. Sorry. No questions on the Tripcast. <laughs> Shoot. Rubio came up. So I was listening to Donald Trump yesterday on Morning Joe. Yeah. And Joe Scarborough asked Trump, do you think uh, Ted Cruz is qualified to be president? And he said, yes. Trump said that. Yeah. Trump said yeah, yeah. yes. And then Scarborough said, to, about, with regard to Rubio, do you think Rubio is qualified to be president? And he said, well, he's young. And then he went on to say, basically, mm-hmm. I like him and basically, mm-hmm. yes. Something stuck, stuck out at me about that. And I went and I looked it up. Ted Cruz is five months yeah, and six days older than age. Rubio. Yeah. And it occurs to me that for this entire campaign, all he we looks heard older. about Rubio is he's so <laughs> he young. He's those five months really well. He's yeah. so young. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say at any point that one of the arguments against Cruz is he's too young. Is and I just wonder why that is. Yeah. So well, I think generally speaking, Cruz comes across as, as more doctrinaire and kind of more uh, – he, you know, well, scholarly well, he in just some ways. Older. This is easier than that. <laughs> Rubio has a baby face. Yeah, exactly. And when is he, that what know, it is? When he yeah, picked he up that water cool. bottle when he that night, I mean, he looks... He's kind of gulping and... Yeah, he looks like sort of a, like a teenager. teenager. And, yeah. Exactly. So it's not just about his age, but it's about so, his affect. In fact, I think it's mostly about his affect and not his, about his age. Yeah, 
It's all perception. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I, had a, I think it was the last time, the second to last trip that Cruz took to Iowa. I talked to a voter about the differences between the two of them, and this voter was not aware that they were the same age. And before I told this voter they were the same age, he said that I feel like uh, Cruz is more of a father figure, and Rubio <laughs> is more like the son. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, there's only you know five months this between is, them. The this kids are probably the same age. So here we are. Here we are on December first. And I think the interesting thing about this trip and the interesting thing about the state of the race is that really materially not a whole lot has changed. Um, Cruz is up, Carson is down, Rubio is up, Bush is down. But really this race is in many respects not fluid. It seems kind of frozen in place. And the old Amy Chozik line, which we've talked about before, you know, people say this is a summer fling when she was back at the Tribune Festival. She said, i got to remind people it's late October. Well, now it's December. Oh, but wait, there's a new super PAC trying to get Rick Perry back in. <laughs> uh, and George P. is out <laughs> saying, no, he, my father's not dead yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the zombies come back. All right, so back. what is the super PAC, and does it actually exist? <laughs> does it, it have any well, money? Well, you know, apparently the, the paperwork is in the, is in the mail to the FEC for it to officially exist. Um, it's a group called Bring Leadership Backpack. It's being run by a few Perry Backpack. supporters. The most prominent of them, I believe, is a woman named Ginger Howard, who um, was the uh, Georgia state chair of his 2016 campaign. Um, it's very uncool. And his pals with Anita Perry. It was apparently right. uh, pals with the, very close to Anita Perry. And, you know, the organizers of the PAC say that they're getting signals, you know, from the, the Perry family that if the money and the grassroots support can rise up again or can be there again that he's open to getting back in the race the only um, signals i saw from rick perry were his thanksgiving weekend instagram exactly feed. he seems pretty satisfied yeah, outside he the, was posting the, the videos of his his grandbaby in you know one of those like little cars kids cars <laughs> and he'd attached the dog's leash to the car and the dog was <laughs> yanking the kid all over his house i mean he seems like he's having a pretty damn good time he endorsed in a texas senate race the other day and hardly anybody noticed i mean oh Oh, really? Yeah. Brian Hughes tried to make Bar Brian stuff Hughes noticed, it. but I mean, because it was Brian Hughes he endorsed. But it's not like a big, you know, the star power went out of this very, very quickly. I mean, he's still obviously really well known. He's still obviously, you know, important in Texas politics, yada yada yada. But not as important as he was six weeks ago. Do you do you think there's a lane? No. For him in this race, it's uh, this no, feels to me like the people who say, "Well, is there still time for?" I was on a Bloomberg Politics site yesterday, scrolling around, and there was a screen grab of their program, television program, and the headline or the cry on the on the deal was, um, "Still time for Romney to get in the race." Well, that's what I was going to. That's what I was about to say. It's as likely Romney gets back in. Likely, really? Romney's probably more likely than. We're Perry going to war point. with the army we have. This is right. it. Yeah, I think. Right. They're, they're talking to Dolan McCain too. The lane for him is only narrowed since he got out. I mean, right. I think he's he's kind of you know he was kind of running in the Jeb Bush-ish lane. You know, kind of this uh, competent elder statesman. You know, governor with a conservative record. And look how Jeb Bush is doing right now. Look, the, 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 the architecture of this race is still pointing toward probably a Rubio, provided he's able to if navigate he, a lot of these obstacles in this respect. I think there's enough anxiety about Carson, clearly, about Trump. There's a Jonathan Martin story as we sit here today, Wednesday, that just posted on the New York Times site all about the, the Republicans just in spasmodic fits about... That's about the fourth right. time the New York Times has written well, about well, the yeah. spasmodic but, but, Republicans but, but, and, and Trump. And, 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 and Republicans, uh, elected officials and consultants saying that if Trump gets in... Jay Mart at one point wrote to or was in communication with somebody in Ohio, a consultant, 
about, you know, what do you think the effect of, of Trump being the nominee would be? And the consultant wrote back simply by sending the link to the Wikipedia page about the 1964 presidential election when Goldwater lost all those states. And there seems to be some anxiety about Cruz, that if Cruz were the nominee, it may feel good, but that ultimately in a general election, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with this. That was the riff in Texas, I got to say, in 2012. Right. Uh, and The Economist has a story this week about Cruz that the headline is, with Cruz they lose, or something like that. And the idea is how basically Cruz has totally misread the electorate and that Cruz somehow would be a disaster for the Republicans if he's the nominee. Yeah, I mean, the same New York Times piece, I think, noted that some moderate establishment D Republicans were actually content with Trump where he is right now because he's keeping Cruz from consolidating conservative support. Right. So who's, who is arguably more unpopular among the establishment Republicans who would be the sources for such a story? Yeah. What was Glenn Thrush's line the other day? The only thing it's, less popular than Ted bar. Cruz is yeah. a, in, in the Capitol is a cash <laughs> bar. You know, and, and so in a lot of respects, from Rubio's perspective, and I guess to a lesser degree from Christie's, Christie got the endorsement of the New Hampshire uh, union, the big, leader, the union leader right. in Manchester this week, the big paper in New Hampshire. From Rubio's and Christie's and to a lesser degree Bush's perspective, they're looking at these three guys going, you know, they're not really acceptable choices to the kind of people who typically decide this thing. So as long as we remain upright for long enough, there's a possibility that maybe George P. Bush is right. Maybe his dad's not dead. Maybe Rubio ends up being the guy. Maybe Christie's. You've got a party where nobody can get and hold 30 percent. And, and, you know, the chances of them going to... Right. A brokered convention. I mean, it's way too early to predict that, but they get better and better every day. Yeah, but if Trump wins New Ham, if Trump wins, pardon me, Iowa and New Hampshire, as he's first in the polls right now, and he wins South Carolina, how how do they derail him? That's just you know, in Texas, and you know maybe I, you know I don't know. You know the momentum behind winning those early <clears throat> races, there would have to be a visible and forcible effort by the party to 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 derail him if he got. To that point. I mean, I understand where people are coming from now. They just haven't figured out. Nobody's figured out yet how to put a coalition together that gets you to 50. And you think there'd be a kill card every time you turn around with that guy, but there's no kill card. Well, while uh, we have uh, Ted Cruz tromping around the snow in Iowa and we have Rick Perry out in Round Top, uh, Governor Greg Abbott is in a much more tropical locale. Uh, <laughs> we got a cute music here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I wish we had a little um, Coco Cabana Music. <laughs> All I can think about is Lee Strasberg in the Godfather movies, you know. Um, uh, you know, Cuba seems like a nice place to visit, especially when the weather in Austin is down in the 40s. Right. So what is Greg Abbott doing in Cuba, Ross? Uh, pushing Texas rice, it sounds like. You know, the reports we're getting are from Jonathan T. Love at the Austin American Statesman, the only reporter who went. Tyler. And T. Love, Ty Love. We'll settle that on a different day. Speed text, fight text. I think you're probably right. I'm just, uh, Mr. Smythe over there. I'm, I'm, He's I'm the one who thinks Beyonce Smythe. is pronounced Beyonce. Anyways, uh, we're, getting, we're, getting, we're getting pool reports <laughs> from, worst from Jonathan, ever. At the States, you know, Jonathan at the States. Jonathan Jonathan T. And um, it looks like a, a plain old trade trip. He's meeting with, you know, uh, minor officials, you know, and, and Chamber of Commerce types. And he's taken along some... Um, it, it doesn't look so much like manufacturers as it looks like industries. You know, some ag people and uh, some port people uh, talking about, you know, what would import-export look like, what would be, what would we import, what would we export, how do we get around the embargo, um, all of those kinds of things. Um, it's, it's interesting. He's only the second governor to do this since we opened the embassy. I guess he's the third governor to go. Cuomo went before Arkansas's governor uh, went. Uh, first, after the embargo, after after um, relations were normalized a little bit, and 
now Abbott, and I think, you know, everybody's looking at this and saying, well, you know, if it opens, it's a market. You know, so on one hand, this is one of those classic situations where you, on one hand, you have the politics. They're commies, right? And on the other hand, you've got, well, this is business. You know, and if we can do business with these guys, maybe... They may be red, but their money's green. Right. That's the point. Right. Good one. Uh, I mean, but what's interesting to me about this is that so many Republicans have come out swinging against the Obama administration over normalizing these relations. But, you know, notably absent from that list of folks was Greg Abbott. And I wonder if he was just sort of sitting pretty saying, you know... Did he uh, never criticize Obama? I don't remember. No, he didn't. I mean, uh, when Amon and I did our story kind of laying out the the political context of this trip... One of those stories that she read, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) We looked back and, you know, we checked our inboxes and... We looked all over for it. Exactly. We did some some very simple searching... um, (laughs) And, you know, yeah, no, Abbott, uh, you know, did not come out swinging, like you said at the time. In fact, uh, I forgot who the columnist was, uh, writes for West Texas newspaper. Oh, Enrique Rangel um, did a column at the time uh, noting, you know, Abbott's notable silence uh, on the the issue. Uh, I actually went back when Amon's first story, not the one with you and Amon, but the one that Amon first did about this trip and looked and said, I thought we had written about the relationship between Texas and Cuba. And Julian Aguilar had written some stories for us back in 2010 about the relationship between Texas and Cuba and the use of our ports. And I actually think there's been a longstanding Texas-Cuba thing here that probably Abbott is- There have been some, you know, it's interesting. There have been some back channels for charity, you know, where you ship it to uh, some, you know, an affiliate organization, usually in Mexico, and ship it from Mexico to Cuba. And there's been a lot of uh, charity work done that way. There's been a little bit, but not as much um, uh, refugee work uh, done that way. But a lot of charity has, has flowed yep. from mm-hmm. Texas to Mexico to Cuba and like that. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting and timely. And, you know, Abbott got a pretty good, a sweet trip out of it. So. Well, and he gets, you know, you have the Maybe cover. Maybe you can find a shortstop for the Astros. You have a, there. a minute, you know, it's the Nixon goes to China in miniature. You know, a Republican can do this. A, a, a Democratic governor might be called some kind of commie lefty, and, and nobody's going to call Abbott that. And, you know, he can go over there and check this out. Mm-hmm. Maybe sell some Texas rice. Well, speaking of the governor, there have been some um, shakeups in both his office and in Joe Strauss's office. Uh, shakeups meaning, you know, new people in new positions. Um, can one of you walk us through some of those bigger name departures and hires? I think shakeups a little strong. This is sort of a normal transition that you get between sessions. You know, you do your first legislative session as a governor or as, you know, or your fourth as a speaker, and you're going to get some transition. You're going to get some people moving in and moving out. Uh, the governor... Right, new jobs. Right, new jobs. Um, uh, the governor's office, uh, Randy Urban, who was the head of legislative affairs, was a lobbyist, uh, went to work for Abbott, is leaving. Looks like he's going to be an adjunct uh, professor at UT and do some other things. Uh, Julia Rathgaber is rotating out also of the legislative office. Um, and she was previously insurance commissioner. And before that, insurance. she was Governor Dewhurst parliamentarian. No, she no, was I governor, mean, uh, she was chief of staff. Chief of staff. Chief pardon of staff. me. Chief of staff. Parliamentarian's Karina Dewhurst. Right. And, so. then, and then Julia Rathgaber is going where? I'm not sure. I think back to TDI. Possibly back to insurance. I'm, I'm not right? positive yeah. of that. Yeah. In uh, Strauss's office, Jesse Ancira, who's been the chief of staff, is leaving for parts unknown. He hadn't. I talked to him the other day, and he hadn't pinpointed what he wants to do yet. Um, and uh, Patricia Shipton, who's been over there for the whole time, is moving into the chief of staff role. And then Alan Ritter, who was a uh, Democratic state rep from Nederland, Nederland Texas. Um, and then turned Republican. Uh, and was on the verge of becoming speaker back there in the day when Craddock fell 
if um, he was Linda on the verge. Har- yeah, if if Linda Harper Brown's seat had gone the other way, this is one of those weird little. If eighteen votes had changed and Linda Harper Brown's seat had gone to the Democrat, the Democrats could have elected a speaker, and that race would have been between Alan Ritter and Pete Gallego. But it went to the Republicans, and Joe Strauss won the speakership. So kind of a weird little. This is like thing. Uh, this is like a, a on previous episode of a LA Law, sp- right? like right. a seam in the third dimension that I don't know existed before. I don't know that I've ever heard that whole That's story. Yeah, they it's both all had, they in both Ross's had little, brain. They both had little headquarters set up and little vote counting things going on. I just like the fact that Ritter is going to be back because when he used to be up on the dais and say the amendment is acceptable to Arthur, and I'd say, who the hell's Arthur? <laughs> Ritter's got the Arthur of the bill can step the forward Arthur now. The bill. Ritter has got uh, a distinct. Anyway, he's uh, coming. Way of saying things that I will look forward to having back in the Capitol. He's, well, he's he'll be behind the scenes, a... so you'll never hear him speak. <laughs> well, you know, he's not the uh, kind unlikely. of guy to jump out in front. Um, yeah, but, but he's he's a he's going to be a wise man in the Strauss. So shop he's and... moving back to Austin. Yeah, and and I th- you know a lot of this is pretty normal. Wasn't he it's, running his family's lumber business or something? He before? has a family lumber business in Nederland, and I think sold it. Um, Interesting. If I'm right. Um, Isn't that what David Simpson does too? You know, he's a lawyer. Isn't there some family lumber business? What is it with lumber business? Oh, is, it, is it paper? <laughs> Maybe it's paper, which comes from lumber. The knowledge of lumber. this Tribcast is just <laughs> deep. <laughs> I, can't, deep. I can't change well, so the tire, where, but I know who the mayor of Avinger was. Where is, is uh, Jesse going? He hasn't uh, figured it out yet. Um, so or he's still the mayor of Taylor? He still is the mayor of Taylor. Um, he's a former. He was in the state auditor's office. He was in the controller's office. He was deputy controller under Strayhorn. Um, he's not, you know, this is interesting. The state auditor's job is open. John Keel is leaving. And one of the questions I had was, what about putting Jesse in that? He used to work in that office. That turns out you have to be a CPA. Jesse's not a CPA. He studied accounting. He's a lawyer. He's in the FBI, but he's not a CPA. So. Uh, um, Patrick, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, that, he's ready for it. Pop quiz. <laughs> um, but as we sit here, Ken Paxton is up in court in um, in uh, McKinney. Collin County, right? Yeah. yeah McKinney. So, what's going on today? They're trying to get his the char- the charges against him thrown out, or yeah, it's a pretrial hearing going over some of the challenges, the kind of uh, you know initial challenges to the case. Um, it, it sounded like everything was wrapped up today. Um, there, I think there was earlier today there was the potential for this to go on for two days, um, so just a one day hearing, and you know now we're just waiting to see what the judge decides on on some of these issues. Again, the, this kind of deals with. The objections that have been raised to how the grand jury was impaneled, um, you know, the, the just the overall process that led up to his indictment, um, and just kind of a continuation of that back and forth. And so, do we expect to hear anything from the judge anytime soon? Um, I these? don't think there is a set timeline when the judge can rule on these issues. So basically, they're just laying out their case and, and waiting to hear on it. Exactly. Um, and Ken Paxton spoke to reporters, it looks like, briefly afterward and, and wished them a, a happy Christmas. So he's, oh, so we don't expect to <laughs> He's not expecting <laughs> yeah. to see us in, see it, see it in a month or two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, well, if you have questions or comments, you can email them to Tribcast at TexasTribune.org. You can also sign up for Tribcast alerts at TexasTribune.org slash Tribcast. Uh, we also have a crowdfunding campaign going on right now. We're going to put this, this Tribcast up shortly, so hopefully you tune in uh, and head to our website, and uh, every dollar Matt is matched for the next 24 hours for that crowdfunding campaign we'd like to thank shiny ribs for doing our music and on behalf of evan ross patrick and our producer todd this is emily thanks for listening texas talking texas talking texas talking
For one thing, Beyonce Knowles hyphen Carter. Wow. Correct that name. No, Bay. Beyonce. It's Beyonce. When you shorten it to Bay. 